Welcome to the Pilgrim's Odyssey, your guide to life's wild ride. I'm your host, Silwan Green. Every day we share incredible stories and valuable lessons on life and faith. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to share this odyssey with your friends and neighbors so all of us together can let our light shine. Welcome friends to another episode of the Pilgrim's Odyssey. Silwan here coming to you from Summit, Mississippi. Now today's program going to be a little uncomfortable to hear, but I believe it's necessary. I believe it's necessary to gird our loins and do what I think is going to be necessary to do in the coming years, which is stand up to bureaucracy. Now, as I like to do, I like to make sure we're talking about the same thing. So from Merriam-Webster, let me give you definition of bureaucracy. Now, they have three sort of primary definitions of bureaucracy. Definition one, a body of non-elected government officials or an administrative policy-making group. Definition two, government characterized by specialization of functions, adherence to fixed rules, and a hierarchy of authority. And three, a system of administration marked by officialism, red tape, and proliferation. Now, What that means to me and you is this, a whole bunch of people that we don't know making decisions about our lives who can hide behind red tape and rules and regulations. They can hide behind that when the decisions they make influence people's lives. A whole bunch of people that whatever they decide to do or not do today could influence you as an individual greatly And because of all those levels of bureaucracy, all the rules that protect them, you begin to lose accountability. Now, here's an extreme example of bureaucracy run amok. Some of you might have seen this. It was a New Yorker magazine. It's beginning to weigh its rounds on the Internet. But the headline in New Yorker kind of starts this way. With the approval of the government, a renowned sexologist ran a dangerous program. With the approval of of the government, a renowned sexologist ran a dangerous program. Now, dangerous is probably minimizing what happened. (laughs) You know, it's probably underselling what happened in the program. In 2017, this is from the article. In 2017, a German man who goes by the name Marco came across an article in a Berlin newspaper with a photograph of a professor he recognized from childhood. The first thing he noticed was the man's lips. They were thin, almost non-existent, a trait that Marco had always found repellent. He was surprised to read that the professor, Helmut Kentler, had been one of the most influential sexologists in Germany. The article described a new research report that had investigated what was called the Kentler experiment. Beginning in the late 60s, Kentler had placed neglected children in foster homes by, run by pedophiles. He put neglected children in foster homes run by child molesters. The experiment was authorized and financially supported by the Berlin state. In a report submitted to the Senate in 1988, Kentler had described it as a complete success. So in 1988, not very long ago, he gave a report on it. He said it was all good. And all the people 
sitting up there listening, all the bureaucrats insulated by red tape. And, well, that's not my decision. That's his decision. Said, well, that's just a good thing. Now, several months after reading the article, Marco, now a man, looked up the number for Teresa Nentwig, a young political scientist at the University of Göttingen Institute for Democracy Research, who had written the report on Kentler. He felt both curious and ashamed. When she answered the phone, he identified himself as an affected person. He told her that his foster father had spoken with Kentler on the phone every week. So Marco, as a boy, had been put with a foster father who spoke to Kentler every week. Well, you know what that means. His foster father was a pedophile. In ways that Marco had never understood, Kentler, a psychologist and professor of social education at the University of Hanover, very official, very important, he has a PhD, everything he says must be correct, we shouldn't question it, had seemed deeply invested in his upbringing. Kettler had seemed deeply invested in his upbringing. Now, Netwig, the reporter, the sociologist, had assumed that Kentler's experiment ended in the 1970s. So when she, the person that brought this to light, thought this was over in the 70s because no one had told her the truth, but what was the reality of it? But Marco told her he had lived in his foster home until 2003 when he was 21. I was totally shocked, she said. She remembers Marco saying several times, you were the first person I've told. This is the first time I've told my story. As a child, he'd taken it for granted that the way he was treated was normal. Such things happen, he told himself. The world is like this. It's eat and be eaten. But now, he said, I realize the state has been watching. You know what the scariest part of the whole thing is? It's what Marco, as an adult, said about what happened to him as a child. Because if you read the full report in The New Yorker, he was molested. He was sexually abused by his foster parent, as I'm sure all those boys were, by the pedophiles that the state authorized. A renowned psychologist put them in their homes until the 2000s. And this is the scary thing, and this is what's scary about happening to us now and what's happening in our world. I took it for granted that it was normal. In the beginning of the article, there's also another headline from another foster child who was put in that environment and who was molested under the authorization of the German state. I don't think what was happening was good, but I thought it was normal. Now, I bring that to today's world and I can't help but ask myself, what are we teaching children that is normal? What do we allow our bureaucracy to do to us, to rule us? Now, I saw just the opposite of this this morning. The opposite of some bureaucrat far away that will never meet the children impacted, that will deny it was their responsibility, that will push the, push the authority and the responsibility off on somebody else. Well, it wasn't me. I was just following orders, or I didn't know have full approval of what was going to happen, or blah, 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 whatever they may say. I wasn't aware. If I would have known... Maybe I would have done something. If only I would have known. Who knows what they would say? But the opposite of that is what I saw this morning at a justice court in Mississippi where my cousin is the judge. I stayed there in that courtroom for the whole length of the proceedings. It's local. The lawyers, heck, the state troopers working in there, giving testimony. 
the men and women in jail, the guards, they're all local. They're all part of the same community. The people that you are sentencing, the people that you are accusing live where you live. And you know what I saw? Fairness. I saw fairness. I saw people being given a second chance. I saw people wanting to listen and wanting to do what's right. People that lived in their community were in front of them. People that, by the way, to somebody in D.C., someone in D.C. could care less about. Most of them were poor. Most of them had been down on their luck. Now, justice needs to be served. Some of them got served a little justice. But I don't think any person could have sat in that courtroom and just watched and not thought to themselves, this is happening because it's local, because it's community, because people know each other. Decisions that are being made are being made because you know that what you are doing is affecting the life of the person standing in front of you. And it does not matter what their color is, what their sex is, how old they are, how much money they have. It's going to impact them, their family, their kids, their community. And what I saw was justice that I would argue could only truly happen on a local level. No, I don't have my head in the sand. I'm sure locally things can run amok, but it's a lot easier to hold people accountable. It's a lot easier to let the light shine, especially in today's world. And I'd rather take that than bureaucrats and politicians and state workers, you know, a capital in your state away or the federal government DC away who do things that not only impact our lives, but they don't follow. One thing the last year and a half that I think blew my mind more than anything else were all the rules and regulations and lockdowns that the politicians and the government officials who instituted them didn't follow. Didn't follow. Whether it's Gavin Newsom in California and in an expensive restaurant with all his friends at the height of the pandemic and they're all sitting around not wearing masks or whether it's the governor of Michigan whose husband's breaking the rules or her, she herself not following the rules and you could give a million other examples or just recently all the Democrats that get on a plane with no masks and end up being super spreaders or so they say although probably nobody died and since they know intimately the reality of the statistics, they probably knew very well what they were doing when they didn't have masks on that plane. They probably weren't too worried about it. And those are only the examples that we know of. How about all the examples that we don't, don't know of? How about all the things when it comes to taxes and rules and regulations that people that we don't know pass on us? Do they follow them? Do they not follow them? I mean, for goodness sakes, look at Hunter Biden. A drug-using, sleeping with his brother's wife, nasty human being who makes money off his father. And in spite of all that, and in spite of what we know about it, he's getting away with selling art that a fifth grader could draw to anonymous buyers for half a million bucks. See, only in a world increasingly run by bureaucracies where the people that rule us can insulate themselves from us and ignore our feelings could stuff like that happen. Now, why do I bring that all up? Because being down here in Mississippi with my huge extended family, going to see my cousin, 
sitting in my uncle's truck doing the podcast that he'd let me use. It's just a stark reminder, man, that, that, that the only place to turn is locally. It's all the more reason to build your local community, to get involved more with your family, with your friends. Run for local office. Run for the school board. Run to be a judge. Get involved. Get to know your local law enforcement. Get to know your local community leaders. Make sure that they know that every decision they make has a face to it. Be in a position to influence their decision. Don't sit back and act like you have your hands tied because locally you don't. And ultimately, everything becomes local. Every law passed the state house, every law passed in Washington, D.C. inevitably becomes local. And it is the one thing that you have the greatest influence on, the greatest ability to impact. And now is the time to do it. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't just read an article about children who were put in the homes of pedophiles by the approval of the German government and throw your hands up and say names and point fingers. No, do something. Act locally. Say, this is not going to happen in my backyard because that's where it all starts. That's where reason begins. That's where we hold the line against craziness. And when you Take a step to make that happen, whether it's you run for something or you support somebody that's running that you know, or you go get involved with people locally. There at home is where you're going to be able to aim highest and to spread your wings over your local community and guide it to reason and righteousness and all the things that are good. And then you and the people that you live with and next to and in community with all will better be able to keep your eyes on the things that matter. The things that matter. The only people that would put children in the homes of pedophiles are people whose eyes are on things that don't matter. Don't be like them. Don't allow your government and your leaders to lead you to that. Make a stand, my friends, and start at home. Start in your community. Start in your county. And it is then when we all stand together that maybe, just maybe, we will all start to see and feel a little bit more freedom and more importantly, peace. You've been listening to The Pilgrim's Odyssey. Make sure you comment, share, and like this podcast so all of us together can let our light shine. For books, videos, and more content from me, your host, please visit Silouan.com. That is Silouan, S-I-L-O-U-A-N.com. Until your next visit on the Pilgrim's Odyssey, I'm your guide on life's wild ride, Silouan Green. Found a girl and I know she's beautiful.